Hello everybody. Welcome to Reddit Readings. Hope you all are having a fantastic day today. In this episode we are on the subreddit, r slash let's not meet, and listening to frightening stories about creepy people. Enjoy. Reddit Readings, episode 56. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Grinder, horror story. This happened two days ago. I live in a small city in Romania, around 30k inhabitants. Romania isn't exactly known for their tolerance of gay people, it's not as bad as other places, such as Russia, but the situation is definitely not rosy here either. I get on Grinder and meet a guy, 18 years old apparently. The guy didn't have a picture of his face as his profile picture, because it's too dangerous, he had a picture of a rose drawing. Most guys on Grinder here don't have pictures of themselves. We talk for a bit, and I really like the guy, and then we finally accept to exchange face pictures. I send him a selfie of myself, and he sends me a picture of a guy from our city. He was cute, and I really really liked him, so I told him, hey, I saw you around the city, didn't know you were gay too. We talk and finally arranged to meet. I had some errands to run at the tailor shop, my cousin's bachelorette party is coming next week, and I had to adjust my favorite shirt. So I ask him to meet in front of the tailor shop. The building in which the tailor shop is located has four stories. The ground floor is a clothes shop, which my aunt works at. The first floor is a sotridge room. The third floor is a barber salon and the fourth floor was the tailor shop. I go to the tailor shop and then go to the clothes shop on the ground floor to visit my aunt and see how she's doing. As I was looking out the window of the clothes shop, I noticed there were 5 men, all of them in their late 20s behind the building, none of them was the guy I got a picture of, and none of them even looked remotely close to what the guy looked like. I text the guy I was supposed to meet and ask him if he made it to the tailor shop. As soon as I send the message, one of the 5 guys phones lit up, and he started texting. As soon as he stopped texting, I got a notification from Grindr. I'm behind the tailor shop, I went there to smoke so no one would see me. Come smoke with me. I was terrified as I realized I wasn't going to meet the guy in the picture. He tries to get me to go behind the tailor shop, and I try to get him to the side of it. There were no windows to the side of the building, so after a few tries, he agreed to meet at the side of the tailor shop. All five guys went to the side of the tailor shop, I peeked my head from the door, looked left and right, and as soon as I saw my way was clear, I ran. Grind a cutie, let's not meet. Something's off with the new guy. I was reading a story that reminded me of an event from over 20 years ago. In the second half of 1998, I had taken a job as a security guard at a plant that made locks. Being a kid, I usually worked one of three shifts. 4pm to 12am, 7.30pm to 3.30am, 12am to 8am. The 7.30 to 3.30 shift was for extra coverage, so there were always two of us there from 7.30 to midnight. 
it was a routine, boring job for the most part, we did our rounds, logged anything out of the ordinary, and watched a tiny monitor displaying the CCTV feed. Things went by in an almost painfully normal manner for 6 months. I worked, saved, bought a car, and planned a move. By late March of 99, I served my notice, and prepared to head cross country. A new hire was brought in to fill my spot, a soft-spoken man named Calvin. As part of his training, Calvin spent time working at all hours. At night he was a shadow, working with myself and the other night guard, getting a feel for the plant's nocturnal routines. Most nights he worked with myself and Amira, a female guard who was around my age. I was 18 at the time. Calvin, who was about a decade older, was quiet and polite, though something seemed to be missing. There's a spark that genuinely nice people seem to have, and he didn't possess it. Whenever he went on rounds with me, he'd ask questions about the job and make small talk. I noticed that he was a little odd, laughing at odd times and changing his tone mid-sentence. At the time, I chalked it up to him being awkward. That wouldn't last. One night, near the end of his first week, he went on rounds with Amira. When they returned to the office, I knew something was wrong. Normally talkative, she would barely say a word. Not sure what had occurred. I waited until Calvin has gone to the restroom to ask. During their trip everything had been normal until they reached the brass mill, a portion of the plant that shut down at 6pm. There were usually no employees there after that time and no lights. They were making their way to a checkpoint on a landing atop a flight of stairs when the mood shifted. She told me that she turned around only to find that he was right on her. Startled, she backed against the grating at the end of the landing and he leaned in towards her, his face nearly touching hers. He flirted in a low voice, and, when she mentioned his wedding band, he said it would be over soon. From then on I did the rounds, taking Calvin with me each time. The night ended without further incident, and I left a note for our supervisor detailing what had occurred. The next night came and went, with no Calvin. I did the rounds, while Amira stayed in the locked office. Same thing the night after. Then, on my second to last shift, I come in to find her freaking out. She found out why Calvin hadn't been at work. He had been arrested for murdering his wife. She had been dismembered and burned, parts of her body placed in a pond less than a mile from where we worked. That night and the next, Amira called the jail just to make sure that they were still holding him. Based on the time frame, he had killed his wife months before he started the job. My first boyfriend turned out to be a murderer. He was my first kiss and also first abusive relationship. We first started dating when I was a preteen. He was super attentive and protective of me from the very beginning. It wasn't until the fifth month when I started noticing the alarms going off loudly in my head. He had taken me on a cute roller skating date and we had sat down for a bit to take a break when two of his friends showed up. At this point the vibe from him was no longer safe. The smile he had 5 minutes beforehand was replaced with a look of pure hatred. He switched into this odd predator mode and told me to kiss him with tongue in front of his friends. I told him that I was just not ready to do something like that and especially not in front of other people. He didn't like that answer and pulled my face to his and started forcing his tongue in my mouth. I was a pretty small girl, but luckily I was able to push him away long enough to start running towards a more populated part of the skate rink. I told him to stay away from me while I waited for my mom to pick me up. 
I didn't tell my mom what happened because I was in shock and confused. I was young and I didn't want to get in trouble for kissing a boy, so I decided to just ignore him until I was able to process everything. A week of successfully avoiding him at school passes when he has worked up the nerve to try something again. He found me surrounded by a group of friends and decided to try his luck. I didn't even notice he was there until we were practically bumping elbows. Being that close to him definitely put me on edge and I nearly shit myself when he started speaking to me. It was all pointless small talk until he realized I wasn't in the forgiving mood then his mood shifted like before and he was just staring at me like I was the most disgusting human on the planet. I was holding one of those old portable CD players when he yanked it out of my hands and started trying to shove it in his bag in a shit attempt to steal it. I yelled at him to give it back and tried prying it from him, which he apparently took offense to because he punched me in the face with enough force to drop me to the ground. I obviously started crying and we were both sent to the principal's office. His dad was the football coach in that midwestern community, so he was able to talk the principal into only requiring his son to attend detention once for his punishment. We didn't see each other too much after that and thankfully ended up going to different high schools. Then I run into him at a Taco Bell drive through my sophomore year. I didn't realize he was the cashier until I was at the window about to pay when we made awkward eye contact. I pretended to not recognize him and hurried with the transaction until I was able to speed away. Unfortunately he saw our chance meeting as a sign of fate and attempted to send the equivalent of a you up text to my Facebook profile. Unfortunately I can never run see his ultra cringy attempt at flirtation. I think I saw you at Taco Bell today. I was the cashier lol you're pretty cute still and I was wondering if you wanted to send some booty pics. My response was an immediate block and I made sure to let my sisters know about the incident because I just had to tell someone. If I had known then just how dangerous this teenage boy would become I wouldn't have taken any of the incidents so lightly, but I'm not a psychic. After some awkward laughs I moved on with my life and continued to date less shitty people. Fast forward to today, when my sister sends me an article from her local news report featuring my dear first boyfriend's picture. Apparently he decided to stab someone in the throat at a popular venue when they tried defending a woman he was physically attacking. We dated nearly 10 years ago, but I still can't shake the feeling that I definitely dodged a bullet. It's a strange feeling when you realize that dangerous people are weaving in and out of your life without you even knowing before it's too late sometimes. According to the comments in the article he had a habit of assaulting the women in his life and had a history with obsessive stalking. I imagine justice will be served swiftly due to the manner of the crimes and the overwhelming evidence supporting a case against this psychopath. I hope we never meet again. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tinder Nightmare. I just came out of a relationship and felt like a bit of casual dating will be fun, so I went onto Tinder 
I made it clear to the few people I actually matched with and spoke to that I didn't want anything serious, just a dinner date or a pub night here and there. I matched with a really cute guy, let's call him Pete. He had just moved to my city and also wasn't looking for anything serious, he just wanted to meet some people and see some local spots. The first night we met up at a well-known tapas bar. I chose this place because I had a few friends that were waitresses and bar staff there, so I felt safe meeting a stranger here. He was on time, we had nice chats, really cool guy on first impression. We spoke about work, to which he responded that he's a software developer, but he's just started his freelancing career. We spoke about where he stays now that he's moved up here, and he said that he's sharing a place with some friends. Rent is quite pricey in this city, so it made sense to me. He asked where I live, and I told him that I'm lucky to have my own one-bedroom apartment in quite a nice and popular part of town, mostly thanks to my parents that helped me save and gave me a portion of the deposit money for my 21st birthday which I invested and grew until I had enough to put down a decent deposit. He then offered to drop me off at home, but I said no, I'd prefer to Uber home by myself. He asked if this was because I'm gonna go meet someone else after him, and I laughed because I genuinely thought this was a joke. The next time I saw Pete was about 3 days later. He said he knew it was fast, but he actually couldn't stop thinking about me, and he wanted to see me again. This time we met at a different restaurant, also one I chose because I went to school with the owner and knew all the staff pretty well. The place is a little bit more pricey, and he got super annoyed with me for ordering as much as I did. I couldn't understand why, since I insisted on paying for my own stuff both times we met. That night, same story, let me drop you off at home, please. Again, I said no. While we're in the middle of this conversation he gets a call. He stepped away, but I could still hear a fair amount. No I think I'm gonna stay with you again. Yeah I'm with her. Don't worry about it. Okay I'll be home soon, so now I think he's chatting to his roommate or maybe his mom, but I don't ask. He comes back to our table. Please, I insist. Bad things happen to women that you be home this late by themselves. I'd feel better if I dropped you off. Not having the energy to argue, I tell him fine, and I put my address into his GPS. As soon as he got home he messages me and tells me he'll be picking me up in the morning to go for a picnic. I reply that I actually have cleaning to do, but again, he insists that he'll see me at 10. Come 10am that next morning, best believe he's right outside of my apartment. I get into his car, and as he leans over to kiss my cheek I notice that his breath stinks. Obviously I'm a little grossed out. We have our picnic and it's quite nice. He tried to kiss me a few times, but I avoided it with everything in me. By about 4pm I tell him that I really wanna go home. And the park we went to is about an hour and a half drive from my apartment, so I couldn't really Uber back home, because it would cost a fortune. He agrees it's time to go, so we get in his car and we're off. I fell asleep in the car on the drive back, and when I woke up he asked if we should finish the rest of the bubbly we got for mimosas up at my apartment. I said to him I don't want to, and he just snaps. He raised his voice and said something along the lines of, what are you hiding from me? Just be honest. Why are you so desperate to keep me out of your apartment? I was so confused I actually just kept quiet. He dropped me off 
but I could see his car across from my apartment for about half an hour before he actually left. About 5 minutes after he left he let me know that he's home safe and he thinks he's starting to fall for me. So naturally I'm freaked out because I made it clear that I didn't want anything serious and he said he felt the same. I said to him, if that's the case I think we should take a break from hanging out with each other. About 5 days later he messages and asks if we can go for dinner again. He found an Indian cuisine place he knows I'll love. I tell him it's cool, he should just send me the address. He tells me that he'll pick me up. So 7pm comes, he tells me he's downstairs, and as I go down to meet him, I see he's standing at my gate. I pressed the remote control to open the gate, and he walked inside to meet me. Show me which one is yours. I'd love to see how you live. Not hi. Not how are you. That's his opening line. So now I'm naturally unsettled. I say to him that I'm starving. Could we go for dinner and I'll show him my place at a later stage. At dinner he gets a call again. This time he didn't step away. Pete, yeah. I don't know. I can let you know by about 10. He then turns to me am I sleeping by you tonight? Me, UHM. No, I don't know. I have work tomorrow. Pete to me, yes me too. Then back to the caller, I'll let you know okay. Caller, no you're not. Can you just get your things, please? Pete, and do what with them? Caller, take them to that girl you're seeing. I'm done asking you. Now I'm sitting here in absolute shock and terror. What in the fuck is going on here? Our food arrives, and we barely speak. I say to him why did you ask me if you can sleep over by me? We are not spending time together like that. You know this. He then spins this story about how he just wants to hang out and again see how I live. I then say to him, very frankly, that I don't like having strangers in my apartment. He gets very touched, and the bill arrives. As per usual, I pay for myself, he pays for himself. I say to him I'll get a new home, and he says, what's the use? I already know where you live. Let me drop you off. By now I've already decided that this will be the last time I see him. I get into his car, and I reach for my jumper, that I threw in the back, when he fetched me. I notice a bag in the back of the car, full of clothes and toiletries, as well as a pillow. I don't think much of it. I don't personally drive, or own a car, but I know my sister always has the most random shit on the back seat of her car. On the way home he's dead quiet, when suddenly he says, Do you know how selfish you are? I've had no issue driving you around, but you don't want me to sleep over by you. I say to him that I've never had an issue with Ubering, and if he's so touched I also have no issue with paying him what the Ubers would have cost me. I'm over this, and I'm not even playing nice anymore. His phone rings again. Caller, your stuff is at the security boom at the gate beat. Stay with your girlfriend, or stay with your mom. You're fucked for taking advantage of everyone like this. Pete, I don't speak to my mom you know this you bitch, and then hangs up. Now I think this is maybe an ex-girlfriend that he needs to collect things from. Before I've even had a chance to process what happened he turns to me and starts yelling at me. I have nowhere to go. Are you fucking happy? You spoiled brat. Living off mommy and daddy's money. Getting driven around by me like I fucking work for you, bitch. My whole body got stiff with fear. I don't know if I'm going to cry or throw up. 
In my head I'm just planning how I'm going to grab my bag the second he stops and run straight to the cafe under my apartment. If you run through the cafe you can get to a gate that takes you to the back part of my apartment and it works with fingerprint axes. There wasn't time to still find my keys in my bag and I didn't want the main gate I normally use to open wide enough for him to get in when I go in. He stops at my apartment and as planned, I jump out, run into the cafe, run out the back, through the little gate, up to the second floor, my apartment was on the fourth floor, and I hammered on a neighbor's door. I went inside, and told her, and her husband everything that happened and asked if they would mind calling the cafe to explain why I ran through with no explanation, and in such a state. I blocked Pete, and I haven't seen him since. I'm still not sure what his case was. From what I gathered, he was basically homeless, and I think he wanted to get into my apartment to maybe sleep over there for a while. I'm not sure if the girl that kept calling him was also a Tinder date that let her into his apartment and he just never left. All I know is that he scared the living daylights out of me, and I never ever wanna see him again. I never want to meet my best friend again. My best friend and I grew up in a sleepy wannabe New Jersey Central Florida town and were the outcasts. We had met in 6th grade when I'd overheard her talking to another classmate about bionicles, my 11 year old self's passion. We became fast friends and soon were inseparable. Soon began the gauntlet of sleepovers, birthday parties, and family gatherings. We were practically siblings. She was the first person I'd come out to as bisexual, and in turn I was the first person she told about being trans. Her whole life was tumultuous, though I can't say mine was any better. We often had a habit of taking refuge at each other's houses. Like I said, we became like siblings. Her father was an alcoholic, strict and prone to physical discipline. Her sister was a stuck-up girl who soon gravitated towards the hicks and jocks when we entered high school, and her mother was a pseudo-vegan hippie lover child held over from the 80s. When I was 23, herself 22 at the time, we had another long night of sleeping over in order to let her escape, yet another fight with her mother. She had recently lost her job at Walmart, and I was going into my first shift at Taco Bell the next day. On the drive home the next morning she excitedly told me that, since she now had her own vehicle she would be applying at pizza places that were in need of a driver, I was proud. It was the first time she'd hunted for a job on her own, as I'd usually been the one to coax her to apply where I was working, not that she ever lasted very long. My first training day goes by quite well. My co-workers are friendly and try to get me to talk more. My manager likes to playfully embarrass me, a fat white guy, by trying to get me to talk hood to the other workers. Being a training day, it wasn't a very long shift, but I had been up early in anticipation and this was my first day on a job in a few months. I got home around noon, informed some of my internet friends that my first day went well, and around 5pm I start to bed down, drained from a good day. As I'm preparing to lay in my bed I get a steam message, her lamenting another fight with her mother and asking if she could come over. Now, I had started to grow a bit weary of the fights on their end. I had began to repair my relationship with my family and a few friends, and I had given her advice many times on how to better approach things. In my infinite wisdom and eagerness to sleep, I left the message on read and rift off into slumber. Around 8pm I'm awakened by her bursting into my room in a panic. Having just been ripped from a dream, I'm groggy and disorientated. 
I drag myself to the bathroom to relieve my bladder and come back to my room to find her rocking back and forth on my bed. It is at this time I notice she is covered in blood, so I ask what happened. She informs me that she just saw someone murder her mother with a knife. My mind goes blank. In the deepest parts of my mind, alarm bells start ringing. Isn't the rocking back and forth a bit overdramatic? Why didn't she call the police? But, this is my best friend. I've known her for over a decade and we were the only two people in the world we could count on. I suppress it and go inform my sister and stepfather. My mother had passed the year prior and it was roughly a month to the anniversary of her death. We were all in a dark place and to social as always, it was the only way we knew how to handle emotional issues. When I inform my family, they immediately go to the same place as I had, though they are far more vocal about it. I offer excuses I knew myself were flimsy and return to the room, phone in hand. I convinced her to call the police, and I can hear her explain the details over the phone, a man in a black ski mask. When the cops arrive, she swears up and down that it's most likely her father. They send cars over to check the crime scene and take her in for a statement. I ride with her in the back of the cop car over to the sheriff's office. It gets to be around 2am. Her sister was brought in, as was her father. I have work the next morning and request to be taken home by a police officer. It takes me a while to go to sleep that morning. The next day at work I'm quiet until my manager asks me what has happened. I inform him but decide to work the rest of my training shift. When I get home, my sister informs me she had confessed. Her mother threatened to kick her out for not being able to find a job, and in a rage she had taken a kitchen knife and stabbed her repeatedly. My mind froze like a bad computer, and I turned to face my monitor. I was in a discord call at the time, and all I could weakly say is, my best friend confessed to murdering her mother. Before hanging up and laying on my bed, her last trial was the 7th of this month. I don't know the results, though my grandmother tells me she took a plea deal for life in prison, rather than the death penalty. Part of me wants to contest that, to demand that they take the death penalty for ridding the earth of such a peaceful and caring woman's shadow. A larger part of me is just glad she's being punished. Natalie, you were my best friend, my sister, and my platonic soulmate. But please, let's never meet again. Thank you for listening to Reddit Readings. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and leaving a rating. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. Disturbed.
And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do, too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you and stay spooky.